With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Chris Beasley, Gareth Buckland and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Of course, we will be reflecting on a much needed and important away win, 2-1 victory at Southampton uh, at the weekend and all the fallout from that, Silver's reaction, Silver's demeanour, to more about Richarlison and perhaps a little discussion about the... uh, Seemsly ever-changing uh, decisions he has to make at centre-half with Mason Holgate impressing again alongside Jerry Mina. But, of course, recording this uh, on Tuesday, one place to start is with the news that Moise Keane was left out of that uh, Saints squad um, because of disciplinary issues. Uh, for the second time this season, we understand he was late for a team meeting and Marco Silva took the decision to omit him from the 18. Um what was our reaction uh, to, to that news, uh, chaps? Um, anybody, you know, feel free to take the floor and, and, and offer your thoughts on on the uh, on the matter. Um, well, and it is something that has happened before. We were aware of in regards to um, with the Italian national team. So I don't know. Say perhaps it sounds a bit unfair to say has form for it, but it is something that Keen needs to address. Is his timekeeping issues? I mean. Suppose coming from an, another culture, but it's it's um, it's important, isn't it, to uh, show respect to it, to be there at, at times. Um, it, it it seems to have been um, dealt with in house. He seems to have accepted um, the decision and, and is um, about to do better next time. I hope so. It's it's a difficult time for for Moise Keane at the moment. Um, I think of all Everton summer signings. He probably came with the greatest expectation, the greatest excitement around that purchase to um, to prize him away from Juventus. So he scored quite a few goals for them the back end of last season. It seems a real coup for Everton. So I remember the first couple of weeks of the season, people saying, could be the signing of the season. What a, what a gem Everton have got here. So it hasn't quite worked out for him yet. And it's been it's been obviously a difficult period for him, but hopefully he, he can learn with it. And uh, just uh, it's encouraging to hear that he has at least <clears> accepted the decision in, in the right way it seems and can hopefully move on and improve from that in the, in the coming weeks Gav you're poised and ready to give your uh, opinion on this issue yeah yeah it is um, as soon as I heard drop from the squad <laughs> on Saturday you just thought aye, aye, there's something something gone on here and, and as Chris said he's got a bit of previous not just with, with the Italian national team not just for being late for meetings by the way um, and so, in some respects, once he'd been dropped from the squad on Saturday, I wasn't surprised on the day's news, today's news. And I am disappointed that you would have thought the lessons that he learned for his country in the summer. Because mm. he, was, he was dropped during the, was it the, the Euros. He, was basically, the, the, he was yeah. late for a meeting during the Under-21 European yeah. Championships and as punishment, yeah. Roberto Mancini did not select him for the senior yeah. squad in September. He was also dropped in the Euros as a punishment as well, which I thought, why have you been punished twice, but there's something else going on. Um, so once I heard that, I say dropped on at the weekends, I thought something gone on here and when, when I seen 
you know your your story today. The disappointing thing was it was twice at Everton. If it'd been once at if it'd been once at Everton, yeah, you would have said okay, bit of leeway. <clears throat> um, but with his, dare I say, previous as Chris alluded to there, was it twice at Everton, and I would imagine a relatively short space of time. I was very disappointed and. Um, I just, there's no scope for him now there really is he and, and it has been a difficult time for him but we're not asking people to sort of, you know, swim the channel here <laughs> we're just asking them to turn up for the team meeting on time and uh, I, I, thought I was very disappointed and um, I think Marco was handling the right way and you know he got a bit of stick Marco over the weekends you know, but and I suppose the easiest thing would have been to say when he's been dropped before the game for turn off late, but if you do that, it sort of disturbs equilibrium in the game, doesn't course, it? Distracts yeah. from it. So I thought it's been handled in in the right way, and especially if they're given them one opportunity as well. I think you know, pretty pretty hand, you know, handled and did seem so, given what Marco had said um, in the press conference. Um, Sam Carroll asked him directly about Moyes, and he. he his answer suggested it was a purely tactical decision. Yeah. So I suppose in many respects he was maybe protecting the player. Yeah, absolutely, because he would have had, you know, with all the press there on Saturday, he would have had all, you know, all, all, all questions about him. And bear in mind, he has been under the focus nationally. <laughs> Obviously, early on in the season, it probably didn't, you know, he's probably doing him a favour, not by but bringing that up at the weekends and get and taking stick yourself as a consequence. Um, Adam, of course, the footballers have done far more heinous things than being late for a team meeting, of course, and 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 Moyes has apologised. And, and I think the feeling that we get is that, you know, there was certainly no malice attached to this. This mm. wasn't a, oh, soggy meeting, I'm I'm not coming. I think he was just late. Um, mm. But nevertheless, do you agree with the decision to have omitted him on those grounds? Uh, yeah, I agree that a, pu- a punishment was viable because you know as as the lads have said it, it, it's not just something that's happened once this is something that's happened twice now and you know you'll he, only learn if he gets punished for something like that but I think at the same time I think the reaction from some quarters has been a bit over egged like it's a it's it's something that happened it's been dealt with and I think everyone should just move on from it now a little bit really I mean can anyone say that they weren't late for anything when they were 19 yeah, I, I'd like, and, and you can. I, I think you can say, you know, he's a professional footballer. You know, he gets paid this much. He costs this much money. Blah blah blah. But you know, you you've got to you've got to try and balance that with holding footballers to an exceptionally high standard. Like he's he's, he's just late by accident. Like it's it, it it's happened. Just I'd move on from it. I, I, I really don't think it's that big a deal. And uh, uh, do you feel that just dropping him from the squad, therefore, it was fully appropriate? I think. Punishment? I think. It, yeah, it was an appropriate punishment. He's been dropped from the squad. He's come out and apologised, and I doubt he'll do that again. Now, like we can, we can just move forward. I think if this was a one-off at Everton, yeah, but when you're playing for your country, and there's been other issues apart from being late for for meetings. Um, I would say exactly that. It's just a one-off, but it obviously isn't, and he's plainly not learned his lesson, both by being late consistently. I mean, and as you are right, is that you know you have to give give a bit of you know, I know a bit of leverage to, to younger players. Bit of leverage to to younger players, perhaps, but to do it consistent, not consistently, to do it more than once. You know, getting into three times. 
three or four times at club and country level. I think, you know, that needs to be nipped in the board. And I hope this doesn't indicate that there's some wider issues, shall we say, uh, which have been alluded to in the past, yeah. um, rightly or wrongly. Um, but I think he, he he could have done without it, bearing in mind he struggled to settle in to the team. Uh, you could have done without this this mm. public publicity, to be honest with you. Well, that's that, Chris. That was going to be sort of the mm-hmm. next sort of point that uh, Gav has raised. That perhaps the most disappointing thing in the whole issue is that, as Gav says, given that he's fighting for his place, not only in the starting eleven, you know, he's fighting for his place on the bench. Mm. Marco's spoken about the needing time. You know, the Premier League is very different. Hasn't had a lot of game time coming into the club. I think he made six, seven appearances for Juve, Juve yeah. last season. It's kind of the last thing he really needs at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I just hope he doesn't get swamped and overwhelmed by the whole situation. We, with Sandro coming in a couple of years ago, played him very well in the Spanish league, particularly in that season before he came to Everton, one and two strike rate. And he just never settled in, in English football, um, went back to Spain. He's only just, I mean, in spectacular style finally, but ended his, his goal-scoring drought of almost two years, um, Sandro, and he was a, a young player of, of great promise. And I just hope that those sort of factors don't come into play with, with Moyes Keane because I think there is a great deal to offer and if it doesn't come good for him at Everton, I, you'd, you'd rue it as being a great missed opportunity both for the player and for Everton because I think there is a really talented player in there. I remember speaking to somebody, one of the um, London-based Juventus fans groups over the summer when he signed and they couldn't believe it. Um, Juve had let him go. They thought it was really short-sighted from Juventus. He was a player of great promise. So I just hope that he can kick on both on and off the pitch and, and become the success that we all, all hope that he, he can be. But is it, and you know, and isn't this just a case of actually more about smartening up his act rather than he's got deep rooted disciplinary issues? You know, it's not. It doesn't feel like it's that extreme. No, no. But it's yeah. Brands would have done his homework. Brands would have done his homework, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah. On this, you know, and there was stuff said early on in the season about him, and Brands would have done his homework. So. Not just signed for. Oh, they know we've got a problem player. You know, would have looked at the looked at Absolutely, the fee, looked yeah. at the fee, the potential of the player, and you know, probably might have known. Well, like, would have known because the stuff, the stuff that happened in the summer, we, we knew about that, of or course. everyone would have known about it when he signed. Yes, yeah. so, you know, it didn't just come out. I mean, the story came out in September, but it was actually like a three-month-old story. Is they would have looked at all those three or four different factors and said, like, for the fee. His ability, okay, there's a few off, but he's 19, that can be managed. It's it's still worth our while. If there was something a bit more serious than what you like, what you're alluding to, Phil, I doubt very much we would have absolutely would have bought him. Yeah. So I think this is just part of a number of, shall we say, housekeeping issues that he just needs to uh, I, needs I, to address. But it doesn't give it just doesn't get give the right right impression, no. does it? And you know, we have to remember he's a teenager. Mm. He's a teenage lad making a couple of mistakes. You know, everything I've been told so far, and look, other people may have heard differently, but we can only go off what we've been told is, you know, in training, his attitude, his rights, and, you know, Marco's spoken about him responding to not getting on at Brighton by the next day's session, showing him what he's about. He got that start against Watford, albeit in a, a position that obviously has, has, has drew some contention. But so it does feel to me as though Hopefully, this is a line in the sand for Moyes, and he, yeah. and, and, and he realizes that he can't, you know, 
being a professional mm. encompasses not just being a professional on the pitch and at training, it's about everything else. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to take his age into account because, you know, any anyone at that age is learning a lot about life in general, let alone new just country. Being, exactly. Moving to a new country as well only adds to the stress that you can only imagine he must be feeling. So, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that it's an excuse for what what he's done and that's why he's been punished for it. But at the same time, I think it, it is like a, a very minor sort of issue that, you know, has been dealt with, can be brushed under the carpet and everyone can move on after the international break and, you know, fingers crossed, crossed he's back in the squad for that Norwich game. Well, of course, the bottom line is Moyes now knows that if he did it again, what's going to happen? Well, yeah. And that's obviously what nobody wants. Mm, yeah. Um, probably is worth mentioning, therefore, you know, join the, the, joining the dots. Um, Keane's absence or Keane's omission from the bench, uh, opened the door for Anthony Gordon to sample a matchday experience in the Premier League for the first time. Um, Chris, were you as heartened as everybody in, in many respects to see uh, Anthony's name on the team sheet? Yeah, initially, I've, I've perhaps uh, maybe not as cynical as Gav, but naively thought that <laughs> oh, it was... Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gav's been proved correct, um, that it was just because Keane had missed out for footballing reasons, because it was an opportunity to bring another attacking threat onto the bench in the shape of young Anthony Gordon, who has been very patient. And was, um, he made a remark that was um, picked up on after missing out against um, Watford in the Carabao Cup, perhaps maybe thought he might have gotten his opportunity there. Um, yeah, he did by all accounts what I've seen um, of him, and he's been doing well for the, the under-23s. He's been a, a, a real promising player this season, but as, I think as he said to you, Phil, there's, there's a whole world of difference between turning it on for the under-23s, um, looking um, the big man in the, the reserve team football and doing it in the Premier League. So he's been patient, waiting for, the, for that opportunity. And yeah, it's always heartening when you see like a, another player on the production line coming through, especially one who's, who's a, a lifelong blue and a local lad. Um, just going back to, to Moyes, do you think, perhaps we're trying to read too much into it, do you think there was almost a double statement from the manager? The manager dropped him, admitted him out of the squad, and selects to start up front in a position Moyes, I'm sure, would love to be have been in on Saturday. Jenk Tosin, a player on the periphery largely, but a player that everything we hear about his professionalism around the place and his desire and his sort of work ethic. Yeah, rather than saying the ass. Something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's giving them giving the message out there. And um, maybe there's an opportunity for, for him because... So it's a big gap, but I like to see him given an opportunity to try and fill it rather than just be like like several players we mentioned from the past where you're just allowed to drift. Mm. Because I think he's a really, you know, he looks a really, really good player, you know, and uh, I'd like to see him given an opportunity. Well, we should probably have that countless times on the pod, but it was heartening that that's a start. I'll be perhaps in unexpected circumstances on, on Saturday. Okay, let's move on to uh, reflecting on the the win. 2-1. Blues obviously went ahead early doors through Tom Davis. Battered a Southampton to an extent in the first half and we all knew what was coming, didn't we? In the start of the second half, they equalised. But huge credit to uh, Everton players. Responded fairly quickly and then 15 minutes ago got their noses back in front and held on for a deserved victory which could have been uh, more sort of elaborate on the scoreline than it was in the end. Um, How were we feeling at 1-1? Ad. Uh, dis- <laughs> disheartened <laughs> it, it just felt like same old same old uh, it just felt like the, the exact thing that happened at Brighton was going to happen again you know as you say Everton absolutely battered Southampton in that first half really wouldn't have been 
it wouldn't have been unfair if Everton had gone in 4-0 up mm. because they wasted a couple of really good opportunities uh, and that's something that we've seen a lot from Everton uh, in their in their away performances I don't think you know Everton haven't really played badly away from home in, in a lot of games this season it's just that they're just not taking the right chances and uh, I thought that was going to come back and bite them again and you know I think any Everton fan, if they were going to bet on any Southampton player scoring at the weekend, <laughs> I think the majority would have put it on Danny Ings <laughs> in completely jammy circumstances yeah. coming off. Yeah, he mean as in step straight to him. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it was just it just felt like it was predictable stuff from Everton. <coughs> but fair play to the players and fair play to Marco Silva as well. I think he changed it. I think bringing on Iwobi yeah. was a really important step uh, in particular. And fair play to the players because I think they showed an increased level of character to not let that uh, equalising goal get to them too much. They were like right straight back on the back foot. Three minutes after Southampton equalised, Everton were on top again, and uh, the wave of pressure uh, proved proved good in the end. I think mm. it was a fantastic ball from Sidibe, obviously, and a great finish from Richarlison. So, yeah, that, it, it's not perfect. Obviously, there's still a lot of things that Everton need to learn from, yeah. but. You know, show, at least showing that increased bit of desire and uh, character uh, after getting pegged back, that's got to be promising. It's something that Silva's got to build on in the next few away games. Gav, uh, seen a better cross than that from Sidibe? It was a beauty, wasn't it? No, that's why he's in the team, isn't he? <laughs> um, it's not the it's not the type of cross that you would associate with uh, Seamus. Um, the only one I can think of in. Last say fifteen years was the one Phil Neville put in for Andy Johnson at mm. White Hart Lane in two thousand and six, right into the six yard box. But this was actually an even better one because he had more players to to bypass. And I thought I'd been the first, you know, when the Wobie had the ball, I thought he'd actually that the pass was too yes, short. Yes, that was my initial reaction. Mm. Yeah, when he was watching, I thought he's passed it too short. Yeah, he's going to have to stop. But he, when I watched it again, it was perfectly weighted. Uh, and yeah, great cross, great finish. Um, Felt like a big win that on mm. on Saturday. I was thinking, since talk of the pressure on Silver from what three weeks ago, something like that. I think we played five games, won three, drew one against Spurs, and lost one at Brighton in very unfortunate circumstances. And yeah. it felt it felt like a, a big goal and a, a big win. Though it was. Disappointed because I had it down to one all last week's pod, but I, I settled for two one. But it, felt, it just about um, no, it felt like a big win now on, on Saturday. What, what, what have you made one. about the reaction generally since the last international break with this run that you mentioned there has, has been in? You came on the back of four straight defeats, Burnley being you know plumbing the depths, you know, a lot of pressure on Silver, but the response, as you say, a couple of wins, draw, hard done by at Brighton, progress in the cup. Have you been? Satisfied, pleased? Are you still? Um, I don't know. What's your feelings given the, the run of, of, of fixtures and results? It's, it's quite obvious that for all the, ta- the 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 time he's been struggling, that the players want to play for Silver. Mm. It's quite obvious that you can see a close mm. bond between coaching staff, manager, and players. That if a manager is on his way out of a club, that you don't see, yeah. and we've seen that. We've seen in that before. Two, two, yeah. Two, prede- two predecessors at, uh, before Allardyce sorry um, and so you've never got that impression at all that this was some sort of dislocation between the, between the parties that they're all going in the wrong direction so, so that, that's always been comforting but it's been quite clear since the last international break that actually 
it's still there and, and a bit stronger. And so I've that that was the primary thing that I needed to say. You know, a few wins can make a big difference. And I know we've got a strong, you know, a, a lot of strong teams playing December, but I'm quite confident in that because one thing you know about Silver at Everton is his best performance is invariably against the best teams You've or said the that better many teams. Times, yeah. mm. Because you give more space to to play in. And we struggle, as we all know, against teams that'll just sit back. Yes. And uh, and um, I think I'm not I'm not entirely sort of that downbeat about the December uh, fixtures. I think there's an opportunity there in a few of them anyway. So uh, yeah, good reaction, good reaction by the players, as Adam said. And it was it was the most base shots since 2012 right. wasn't it? was it 24 24 I think yeah. which is a ridiculous amount you know, <laughs> for two goals but that, that's a, you know the, the last one was a Fulham in 2012 when a game for which I'm still receiving therapy because it was the most <laughs> one-sided Premier League game you'll ever ever see in your life yeah and we were winning 2-1 and they scored the 30 the last kick of yes, the game yeah, I and well. I've, of all my years of watching Everton I don't think I've ever been so sick yeah <laughs> At the, seriously at the end of a game because it was just ridiculously one-sided not to win and thankfully we had the same amount of chances on uh, on Saturday but managed the 2-1 win The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo but Just going back to the uh, the provider of the winning goal uh, Sadiq what have you made of him now? We've got we've had a decent look at him yeah. um, you know coming up to, to sort of you know middle of November Um what are your thoughts on the, uh, the loan signing? Yeah, he's, uh, <clears throat> he's had to be patient to start with. Um, I think that was right. Um, Seamus, just newly installed as club captain, was the incumbent right back and is, is an Everton stalwart. So he wasn't going to just come in straight away, also find his way in, in English football and coming in um, during the, the, the summer window. So he, he had to bide his time. And um, he, he probably won't have been used to that. He's one of the main men with Monaco, part of the France national team. Um, I guess he won't have been used to sitting on the bench. But when he has come in the last few weeks, he's given that opportunity, of course, because of Seamus is sending off um, at Burnley. Um, I don't think he could have done much more. Um, I think the biggest compliment I could pay him at the moment is he's, he's at times he's playing like Seamus in his pomp. But um, then, as Gav has alluded to, Maybe Seamus didn't have that in his locker, the sort of the, the cross-field passes mm. that he's, he's providing. And he also did that one, one of his early outings we were at, at Sheffield Wednesday in the yes. Carabao Cup. Yeah. You know, he, he does have that in his locker. And so. should, have been, should have had another assist, but Iwobi yeah. had all the goal to hit at and yeah. toe-ended it at the keeper. <laughs> yeah. 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 A so. keeper who's proven himself to be a bit, uh, mm. a bit dodgy <laughs> over the last weekend, shall we say. Yeah, quite. Um, yeah so um, yeah, but very promising. And I think that's what, that's what Marco wanted. He wants two quality options in each position and, and, and he's got that right back now and, and you know club captain or no club captain Shame has got real fight on his hands now to try and win that shirt back on a, a regular basis and uh, you know it, it, it's it's good to, to see and that, that's what Everton need in all the positions The, the only criticism I'd say about Sadibi on Saturday is I thought he could have done more for their goal Yes I thought okay. I thought he should have doubled up Yeah um, It was clear Christian th- Idol and Ben was quite clear what It was, was clear to happen. everybody what was going to happen yeah. and he, yeah. he sort of got he got he got caught between whether to cover the fella to um, to his right or go behind Snyderland to double up, and he made the wrong decision there. It was quite yeah. clear what was going to happen, and that was the only criticism I'd, I'd say of his of his performance. Or indeed, I can't think of much. Maybe somebody correct me. I can't think of much he's done particularly wrong. Uh, I think, uh, and, and I think he, he, he 
I think the what sorry, I was gonna say yeah. something that seems to slightly leave some Evertonians a little bit nervous at the minute, and I think based on on the Brighton game is yeah. he's not afraid to commit, should mm. we say. And I think perhaps based on playing in that swashbuckling Monaco team where it must have the manager must have just gone bomb on. Yeah. I think he just needs to find that balance, doesn't he? Because there's some moments where mm-hmm. he commits himself and you're thinking, just sit, just yeah. stand and you know. He was yeah, he was partially fault for that goal, wasn't he, at uh, Brighton. But you know, there's I, I really like him. Yeah. From what I've seen. And um, he's a, he seems to be he's aggressive in, in the right way in in many aspects of his game, yeah. which is which is good to see. It's good drive and power that actually is an essential requirement to fall back in the Premier League and um and pace and and great delivery like we saw on Saturday. So interesting little conundrum there for Marco, I think. Mm. For all, got a lot of games coming up, haven't we? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, speaking of Marco, Adam, we'll move on to uh, the manager's post-match comments. Obviously, of course, we've discussed what he said about Moyes Keane. Uh, <clears throat> going again on the front foot about Richarlison and the accusations of, of uh, the Brazilian being a diver. Marco telling us uh, he thinks there may be a little bit of fear with people accusing some other clubs' players of similar. What did you make of that? I think we all know who he means, to, <laughs> don't we? Uh, I, I think he's spot on. Like I, I thought we saw... We saw the start of this in his uh, pre-match press conference when he was very, very vocal in saying zero times has Richarlison been booked for diving, and I think that was it was it was a bit of a it was a bit of a fire that we don't often see from uh, from Silver in those sorts of situations. Yes. He did the same thing. He did an interview at Match of the Day after the yeah. game as well with Gary Lineker, and he did the same thing. He was like, "No, he's not been booked once for diving, not once." And he, he seems very, very vocal about this issue. And I think it's absolutely right that he should be vocal about this issue because, you know, we were all saying uh, last week, after the Spurs game in particular, that, yeah. you know, the referee probably was being affected by how much Richarlison was hitting the deck. You know, the, the referee shouldn't have been affected by that. But he probably was looking at some situations and going, well, it is Richarlison. He does, he does go to the ground a bit easily there. And I think it's right that Silver should come out and defend his player. You know, he, he's, he's accepting the... He's not perfect. He is working with him to try and be stronger, and I think that's that's the right thing to do. You know, Richarlison is going to need to learn how to be stronger if he's going to be a Premier League number nine as he wants to be. Uh, so he he will have to learn that side of the game. But I think it's still absolutely right for Silva to be vehemently saying, "Look, he's he, he's no diver. Look look elsewhere if you want to look for mm. if you want to look for people diving because you won't find one here." And, and Chris Marco in his own sort of wording, effectively saying people must see Everton as an easy target. Yeah, whether it's been the the VAR, or so you, Marnie Ass, another, mm. another game we were at at, at Sellers oh God, Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does seem that Everton getting the thin end of the wedge in, in this respect. Um, what, what I would say is, echoing what Adam was saying, there's a difference between diving and going to ground easily. And I think what Richarlison's been guilty of is going to ground easily at times. There is a challenge. He's, he's hit by the opponent, but perhaps we would expect your, your centre-forward to stay on their feet or be a bit more robust in those situations. And I think I, I've been in the stadium when people have been saying that, and that's Evertonians. Yeah, there is a feeling that he, he, he should try at least stay on his feet a bit more. And he's been over here a couple of se- well, it's his third season now. And obviously it's different in Brazil. But yeah, you'd hope he'd be more adjusted to the English style of play in that respect. But yeah, he, he, he's, he's not a diver. And yeah, so and, and for Everton to be 
picked on again. We said, let's not beat around the bush here. This was at the same time people talking about Sadio Mane. And mm. Um, mm. that was um, seemingly a much more um, clear-cut case, yet it's, it's um, Everton who... Um, getting this stick again. So, yeah, I think that Evertonians can feel aggrieved in this respect um, and with the, all these decisions, which is the FA have supposedly said um, they got wrong with Michael Keane and then the penalty at Brighton and obviously all the shenanigans against Tottenham Hotspur, the length of time it was taken to make those decisions and then not satisfactory decisions always as well. So, yeah, I think Everton can feel uh, very aggrieved on, on a number of counts here. You don't want to get paranoid or conspiracy theories, but... I think that you know they're, they're due one. Yeah. Gav, oh, uh, we, 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 we got away with one on Saturday. I thought mm-hmm. Yari Mean has when he shoved the uh, the mm-hmm. Southampton player by the byline. Okay, thought I've seen them. I've seen there and I've seen those given. No. Uh, no. Uh, no. Yeah. Not in a million years. No. He's just, he's just <laughs> bigger. He, 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 he shields the ball. He shields the ball, and Jennifer runs right into it. Well, I, 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 when he was in the left back position in the first in the, the second in the half. second half, yeah, when he shields the ball out of play. Nah, I think he, he does more than shield the ball. If he wants to play, he, he shoves, he gives him a good shove. <laughs> well, put it this way: he doesn't put if, his hands on him. If we're accepting that Dominic Carver Lewin at Anfield was a penalty in 2017, but he doesn't put his hands on him. He, he actually he, he literally he, he, he literally shoves him with a fair degree of force away away across the touchline, and that that to me was definitely in the seeing him given mm. category, that old cliche. Mm. Uh, definitely. I guess yeah, that's... Definitely. I mean, we could do an entire series in VAR, haven't we? But I think that's one of the many problems with VAR. Um, I was going to say that offside is the only one you can do it on, but we've had loads of problems <laughs> with that as well because it's either offside or it isn't. Well, people are still debating that. But certainly with these penalty incidents, you know, we could watch them back several times and then one person's got one decision and one person sees it another I, I way. Thought, I thought when I watched that, if you watched that again, I thought oh, we got away with Got away with that. Um, sorry, because what Pete said in commentary was that, and it's like they're the type of decisions given outside of the, the penalty box, but not in the penalty box. Yeah, exactly. if, if that if gets given as a penalty, I'm never going well, to a football Michael game Keane again. That's, 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 um, I'm just, on, I'm just saying. on that, Gav. I uh, just want to quickly ask you because since we last got around the podcast table and had that really passionate debate after the Spurs game about VAR, etc., <sighs> it's understood <laughs> that the Premier League at some level have admitted to the club. That the Michael Keane penalty was a mistake. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really know how to take that because I'm, I'm like, yeah, correct, but I'm also thinking, well, it doesn't change anything. It's all right for them saying sorry now. Doesn't absolutely yeah. <laughs> pointless, isn't it? It's, it's a pointless. Uh, fact, it's made pointless me, you know, it's more yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You always want them to be more hard faced about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Especially mm. when you see some of the penalties that way and given over the weekends, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. it just shows it up to the. You know, we don't want to talk about it, the the farcical nature of it. I mean, but what I'd, I'd say about Silver is, I thought it was a really good interview with on Match of the Day, on Saturday, especially because Match of the Day's got such a huge coverage. Yeah. And I thought that his thing about Richarlison <laughs> had a bit of a Jose Mourinho quality yeah, about it. Yeah. You know, you'd imagine that was the type of thing that because of the language that Mourinho would yeah. would come out with, which is quite a good uh, good way of putting things. On the back of it? something we talked about as well, yeah. you know, and I think Adam alluded to earlier then, you know, some of his audience felt like he was being too reserved, too yeah. polite, if you like. You know. You've know, you got, got mm. regulations that you've got to do to <laughs> when you're talking mm. about, you know, mm. things as a, as, a, as a manager. You know, you can't come out and yeah. say the full truth, which but people But what I'm forget. saying is he showed yeah, yeah, more yeah, of himself yeah. than... Uh, yeah, and quite game. rightly so. I mean, I think that the Charleston thing last week, we, we spoke about in the, in the pod on, on, on Thursday, wasn't it? Was that... It was something that more from like an article about the Charleston 
sort of go to the ground too easily, morphed into something around that. Richarlison's a diver. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, when actually the original intention was sort of what you were saying there, yeah. Chris, about that, this problem is going to go around too easily. Mm. But then because of the, the prism of social media, it <laughs> became Richarlison as a diver all over mm. all over the place. Mm. And I think um, I think he was right to, to, to make his points in a clear and a harder manner as possible, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, before we uh, wrap up, thought it was probably worth uh, discussing uh, two young players who have taken their opportunities uh, through various points of view and two players who played very well at Southampton, Mason Holgate and Tom Davis. Um, Adam, um, talk to me about how impressive those two players have been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it, 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 it's really, really impressive for, for two young players who... Have had really, you'd have to say, quite difficult times over the last eighteen months. Let's say uh, Holgate going out on loan, of course, to the Championship, may, yeah. being played at right back for most of it. When we yeah. know that he's going to be a centre back in the future, definitely, he's had to bide his time for his chance because you know we all know how good Michael Keane was last season. We all know how good Yeri Bean has been this season. But he got that little sniff of an opportunity and he took it. And that's a, that's exactly what every everybody. No matter what your age, everybody in the Everton senior squad should should have that sort of goal, and it, it, I think it just shows a lot of character and a lot of experience, like mm. experience maybe beyond his years, to be able to grab that sort of opportunity and oust you know Michael Keane, who was one of Everton's players of the season last season and one of Everton's most improved players over the last over the last few months. Hands on heart, did we think that we would be talking in mid-November ahead of a run of a brutal-looking fixture list? On the back of a first away win, an important away win, talking about how Holgate and Mina are the first choice. No, uh, and, and I think that's just testament to how well he's played. We've all known the qualities that he's got. You know, he's got bundles of pace about him. He's really strong, uh, despite not being the tallest. I think, and he's really good at bringing the ball out from the back as well and starting Everton attacks from that from that uh, defensive position. I think what's been stuck in people's minds though is that you know he does have. As any young player does, he does have a couple of mistakes in him. I think he's managed to iron out those mistakes. For, for the most part, he's yeah. ironed out those mistakes. He won't be happy with his defending for Spurs' goal, but that's quite literally the only thing mm. I can I can think of in the last few games that he's maybe got a little bit wrong. And I think the partnership that he's got with Mina, I'd argue the qualities that both those players have, it works a lot better than when Mina was paired with Michael Keane because I think Mina and Keane are very, very similar players. I think... Uh, when Mina and Keane were playing together Mina was the one who was the one who had to bring the ball out from the back and get it to the midfielders and that's not really his game and I think Holgate fits into that bracket a little bit more so it takes a bit of the pressure off Mina and I think Mina has then had the experience to be able to bring Mason through a couple of difficult moments I think it's it worked really well and it's so it's so promising to see that you know it's such a you know, such a young age for Holgate as well. He's only going to get better. Mm. So it's really good to see this kind of form now. Gav, if you're Michael Keane, what are you thinking? Say, drop it's from, England, from England drop as well. Like, yeah, squad, yeah. Um, out of the Everton team as it stands. I think I think we'll have to up the game here, like mm. and, like anybody else who's dropped. I mean, I think I think Mason's done 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 well. I mean, what I like about him as well, he's good at reading the game. I was going to say, he, yeah. he, he, you know, the balls that are played into uh, you know into his area. He doesn't really tackle players. He'll just step across and intercept it before it reaches the forward. And I think he's really, that's a real strength of his. However, uh, what I would say is, you know, both Mason and and Tom is, look at, 
if we're talking about them like this in January, I'll be heartened. Um, I'm just thinking about that goal that we conceded against Spurs, and and the mitigation is, and I think it's right, is what Adam's saying is that centre half is the youngest player, is the hardest player place to play on the pitch if you're young, yeah. because you associate playing centre half with a experienced, experienced yeah. senior player um, who knows knows the game. Um, so it's, it's a difficult position to play at, what is he, 22, isn't it? Was he mm. 21, 22? Um, so he's done really well last few games. I think the Spurs goal should have done more. But if he's still in January saying the same things, I think we can say the signs of signs of progress there for, for both both players. Mm. Um, because unfortunately, I'm, gonna talk, I'm unfortunately talking about Tom, is being given an opportunity because of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People's misfortune, you know, yeah. horrible misfortune. Um, but yeah, I thought Holgate was was excellent on uh, on Saturday. Chris, um, you know, Davis scoring his first mm-hmm. goal in eighteen months, and as as Gav says, been given an opportunity, and, and you know, we have to have to see that he will be playing fairly regularly now, won't we? For, for mm-hmm. the well, yeah. potentially the majority of the season, depending on what the club do, mm-hmm. of course, in January. But he's. Uh, He's, it's, it looks like it's his shirt now for the time mm-hmm. being anyway, at least. Uh, definitely, um, as I said, his unfortunate circumstances, but that's often the way we had um, we had Derek Mountfield in for a great podcast um, the other week, um, Head of Howard's Way, mm-hmm. and he was saying it was only the injury to Mark Higgins which uh, gave him his opportunity and he went on to be you know, a bona fide Everton legend and all the stuff he won. So, yeah, you, you've got to start somewhere and Tom's got his opportunity through Andre's uh, long-term injury, but he's... he's Take his grass, his grass start opportunity with, with both hands, yeah. and he looked um, really enthusiastic again at the weekend. Enjoyed that early goal; you could just see the, the expression on his face. Yeah. He's absolutely made up to to get that one, and that's what he's about. He's about positivity, about bringing the ball forward. He, oh, he, they're all very sort of different kinds of players: um, Gomez, Schneidlin, uh, Davis. They offer something a bit different, and he's, so he's, he's quite unique in that respect mm. within the, the current Everton squad. What he, what what he brings. But yeah, there is an opportunity here for him to get a sustained amount of games under his belt. And um, in many respects, he, <clears throat> we talked about it before, he's been the, the victim of um, doing um, so much so early. That amazing goal that he scored against um, Manchester City a couple of years back was sort of the benchmark always yes. to, to, to yeah. measure him against him, which was a bit unfair. But yeah, this is the second coming of Tom Davis. I mean, uh, terrific again, another homegrown um, hero, another local lad who's come up through the academy and bleeds royal blue, as it were, me- metaphorically. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to see Davis kick on in the, the next few weeks. But like as Gav says, maybe let's just temper it a little bit and see how they are come, yeah, come the new year. Southampton were poor, I thought, on yeah. Saturday. Um, I think the other thing you mentioned mm-hmm. about lessons from Moise Keane, there's lessons from Moise Keane, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About Absolutely. applying yourself, you'll eventually get you, you know, you get your get your reward. So there was lessons from Moise Keane on the pitch and offered on there uh, on Saturday, and I thought Davis was excellent. He's bulked up a bit, hasn't he? Yeah, um, like he has. Yeah, uh, which helps. Um, and it was great to see him get a get a get a real goal poachers far post show, show and toast and how it's done. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think what's impressed me most about Davis is that he's been doing it in like different sorts of roles in that midfield. Like 
don't think his role against Southampton was the same as his role against West Ham, no. and it definitely wasn't the same as his role against Spurs. Like he's showing, he's shown a sort of versatility that we've always expected him to have, but he's never quite been able to show it on a consistent basis uh, at senior level, at least. But now he's getting the trust of his manager, albeit in you know circumstances that are maybe a little bit beyond him. But yeah. you know he's get he's getting his opportunity, and he's just showing to the manager, look, play me, play me attacking midfield. I'll. I'll create chances. I'll get you a goal. Play me in defensive midfield. I'll be able to make make tackles and play play short passes. And he's just showing all the qualities that Marco Silva is going to want. Absolutely, chaps. Uh, we will wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your company. Uh, great stuff as always, and thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.